views and opinions expressed in Cold and Missing are exclusively those of the hosts. All parties mentioned are considered innocent until proven guilty in a court of law. Cold and Missing also contains adult themes and languages and is intended for a mature audience. Listener discretion is advised. Hey, baby. (laughs) And hello to everyone listening. Welcome back, y'all. Yeah, welcome back to Cold and Missing. This is our 12th episode. Number 12. Which is so exciting. And and that's not even including our bonus episode that came out last week. So technically, we could say this is 13 if we want to get technical, but we'll stick to 12. Okay. You're the (laughs) boss. We're currently in our new studio. Yes, Eli, my little handyman, my little handy husband, he built an incredible like recording space for us in our second bedroom of our apartment and made like a little custom desk for us to sit at with the mic. So it feels really cool and professional back here. <laughs> yes. Oh my gosh, yeah, I feel fully cute. Well, um, we're going to post a picture of us in our new little studio to kind of introduce ourselves on our Instagram so y'all can see it. Yeah. Okay. How are you going to break my heart today? This one is heartbreaking. <sighs> Ow. And I'm, and I'm saying that like as a mean person, <laughs> a jaded, mean, old bag of bones. <laughs> uh, is it too late? Too late for what? To leave the room. <laughs> <laughs> to just quit. <laughs> so we're on, let me guess. Okay. Missing. Yes. Ew. That is correct. So we are covering the missing person, and her name is Sharon Baldeagle. And this takes place September 19th, 1984. And there's a couple different locations in this, but it's centered around Casper, Wyoming. Wyoming, wow. Mm-hmm. And Sharon, in 1984, she is 12 years old, but today she would be 50. No! This is about a kid? Yeah. And just as a trigger warning off the top, there is sexual assault mentioned in this case, and I'll give another warning whenever I get closer to the moments where it's discussed, but I just want to give you a heads up now in case... Maybe you're not in the space to listen to that today, which is fine. Thank you for that, Allie. We love boundaries and keeping ourselves comfortable and safe. Yeah, like it's a podcast. You don't need to upset yourself with a podcast. (laughs) Put the podcast down. (laughs) So Sharon Bald Eagle, she is 12 years old in 1984, and she's 5'3", 110 pounds, and she has black hair and dark brown eyes. And she is described as being bright, talented, musical, independent, and tough for her age. It's reported that she routinely beat up boys um, that were in her grade. She loved to break dance, and her family lives on the Cheyenne River Sioux Indian Reservation near Eagle Butte in South Dakota. Tuesday. September 18, 1984. Sharon is attending the Brainerd Indian School and plans to run away with a friend from the nearby Hot Springs High School in South Dakota. 
Sharon is running away to Idaho, where her brother is, and where she had lived previously with a family as part of the Indian placement program through the Mormon church. So what this is, if our listeners are not familiar, the Indian placement program, when it was reported, it was talked about like a foster family. What would happen is the Church of Latter-day Saints, Mormons, they offered a program where if they baptized Native American children, they would be allowed to stay with a Mormon family during the school year. And instead of attending what was called Indian schools, Indian boarding schools, they could attend a public school with their Mormon family and then return to their, you know, their true family in the summertime. Sharon had previously participated in this program the year before, and she thought that she was going to continue on into the school year and go back to Idaho to be with her Mormon family out there. They're called the Dexters. But Sharon is kicked out of the program super unexpectedly and on very short notice. So four days before she was set to return to Idaho, she's kicked out of this program. And this comes as a shock to her foster family, the Dexters as well. They were anticipating her coming and were surprised when she didn't show up with everybody else. Mm -hmm. And the reasoning for this is they said that Sharon had been kicked out because of her attitude. Oh, you would have been kicked out in two seconds. Two seconds. (laughs) Missy Sue. Yeah, it, it was reported that she fought with her foster siblings, but her foster family was like, that was all ironed out pretty quickly. It was just at the beginning, and we wanted her back. We loved her. We were expecting her. So that happens really unexpectedly. So then Sharon has to go to the Brainerd Indian School, which is near Hot Springs, South Dakota. So if our listeners aren't familiar with Indian schools, they were part of the U.S. and Canada's colonization and forced assimilation of indigenous families through their children. So they would force children to go to these schools where they were not allowed to speak their native language. Uh, They were not allowed to participate in ceremonies or practice their religions that they would have on their reservations or with their tribes. That's not right. (laughs) No, it's it's horrible and a lot. Yeah, it's like a lot of fucking colonizers. Yeah, and a lot of culture was like lost, like a lot of language was lost, you know, like indigenous speakers, there's like generational gaps where nobody knows the language and they're trying to like re-educate and reintroduce the language so that way it's not lost whenever older folks die. So that's the Indian placement program and um, Indian schools very quickly in a nutshell. That Tuesday, September 18th, Sharon boards a bus for a basketball game in Hot Springs, where she'll meet up with her friend who is 15 years old. And her friend is not named because she's a minor, so I will be referring to her throughout this as the 15-year-old or the companion. And Sharon is carrying a red bag with her, and it should be noted that Sharon has never run away before, but it just seems like she genuinely wants to get out of here and go be with her brother in Idaho with this family and go to public school. So Sharon and her 15-year-old friend run away from the basketball game and they start hitchhiking out of South Dakota. So on Wednesday, September 19th, 1984, the girls are hitchhiking through Wyoming. So they've made it into Wyoming at this point. 
and they are picked up by Royal Russell Long, a 49-year-old trucker who also owned a go-kart track um, in nearby Casper, Wyoming. Again, this is just a trigger warning that uh, I'm going to talk about some upsetting things, including sexual assault, for the next couple minutes. Press pause if you want to, or skip on through. Mm-hmm. So the girls are picked up by Long, and he takes the girls to his home in Evansville, Wyoming, and he feeds them. Long offers the girls $100 for sex, but they refuse. He then beats them up and ties them up at gunpoint, and the 15-year-old is sexually assaulted. When Long is not paying attention, is distracted by something, there's different reports of what happens at this time, the 15-year-old manages to escape and gets out of his house and runs to a neighbor and gets help. So the 15-year-old, she calls the police. But when she returns with the police, Long and Sharon are nowhere to be found, so they're gone. Damn. He took his moment, like, to To get out, yeah. Yeah. That was fast, you know. Yeah. And I couldn't find exactly how long between this 15-year-old raising the flag and, you know, calling police into when they arrived there. I don't know exactly how long it was. I don't know if it was minutes or longer because this is Wyoming. So there's a lot of land between places, you know. Mm-hmm. End of the trigger warning, just so everyone's aware. But uh, it'll pop back up again, so I'll warn you again. So no reports exactly on what happens that next day, Thursday. I assume a search is taking place because they know that Sharon, a 12-year-old, is missing and with somebody who had them tied up in his home. So I assume a search is happening, but I couldn't find reports of that. On Friday, September 21st, the police search is concentrated on southeast Wyoming, and this they'll stay there through Saturday. And they focus here because of a tip that Long's vehicle was seen, which is a 1980 or a 1981 brown Chevy pickup. He was seen near Pine Bluffs, but police searched this area. There's no trace. Nothing. On Saturday, so that weekend, September 22nd, Taylor Bald Eagle, that's Sharon's father, travels from Eagle Butte to Casper in order to appear in front of the media. And he says, quote, I want to know where my daughter is. She is my life, my reason for living. Oh, no. Why? Why do you put these things in here? I know you have to, and I'm just hearing it for the first time. Please continue, and thank you for all the hard work you do. Taylor also has a message for Long. He says, quote, from father to father, from man to man, I want you to know, I hope you think about this and call me or contact me soon. And then Taylor goes on to say, quote, he's 49 years old. You don't experience that much living without having some feelings, something inside, end quote. All of his media attention works, though. A tip comes in. And the tip allegedly is from Long himself. And why allegedly? Well, originally it said that he called, but then later it does seem like it's confirmed that the, he is calling the police at this time and giving them this tip. And he says that it's him when he calls, so he's not pretending to be somebody else. But a tip comes in saying from 
from Long that he had put Sharon on a truck that was headed to Fort Worth, Texas. And the caller continued to say that he would turn himself in when authorities confirmed Sharon was safe. And it was noted that Sharon has an uncle in Fort Worth, and that's Taylor's brother. So that tip comes in, and then on Sunday, September 23rd, Taylor meets with the 15-year-old who is at a hospital in Casper, Wyoming. And she tells him that Sharon has not been assaulted. Okay. While she was there. Sure. Yeah. Monday, September 24th, late at night, Taylor gets a call from an assistant district attorney that they got a a reliable source and believe Sharon to be alive and well and that she was spotted in Casper, Wyoming. Uh, The next day, September 28th, this is Tuesday, we're coming up on a week that Sharon ran away. Police in Fort Worth have found no trace of Sharon. And Taylor, her father, keeps vigil by his phone saying, quote, that's the only thing I'm living and breathing for now. I'm spending all my time by this phone. I, like, can't think about this man. I know. Taylor Bald Eagle is still alive and is pretty active in bringing awareness to her case. That's amazing that he's still here. He's got to be, like, in his 70s now. Mm-hmm. Maybe even 80s. Yeah. That sentence of, like, this is what I'm, like, living and breathing for, like, not even, like, I'm living and breathing for this person, but, like, I'm living and breathing in, like, hope that mm-hmm. they're okay and that I will find them. And, like, that sits in me very deeply. Yeah. So I, like, so, yeah, it's really heartbreaking. Yeah. So one week after Sharon has been abducted at this point, so this is Wednesday, September 26th, at 9.40 p.m., FBI agents arrest Long in Albuquerque, New Mexico as he was leaving a telephone booth outside of a convenience store. He did not resist arrest, but did have a 9mm pistol on him, and he was arrested for a warrant for unlawful flight to avoid prosecution. So that was what the FBI was arresting him on and why they got involved, because he was crossing state lines. Mm -hmm. Sharon is not with him at this point, and there's no sign of her. The search for Sharon continues, quote, everywhere, the assistant agent in charge said. Evansville, Wyoming investigator Stephen Myram said nothing in Long's criminal history would suggest homicide, but evidence found in Long's home indicated that Sharon might have been injured and in need of medical attention. And later it comes out that Sharon had had a nosebleed at his house, so there was some blood found in his home, and it is believed that this is what Stephen Myram is referring to. Okay. Yeah, the, of course she had a nosebleed. She was attacked. Yeah. Like... <sighs> the day after he's caught, there's no news on Sharon, and Long pleads the fifth every time he's asked about it. He continues to plead the fifth, which is his right to remain silent. And the... Natrona County DA said, quote, we have no information where she might be. And then Taylor, her father, says, quote, Long hasn't said anything. That makes a person apprehensive. But you have to have faith. I hope she's alive somewhere. That's all I have to hang on to, end quote. The next day, this is a direct quote from the FBI here. Quote, obviously we're looking hard, but so far, zilch, end quote. I would hate for that man to be like 
I don't know. Like if we, if we had a baby, you know. I would hate for this man to be in charge of my McDonald's order. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like we went to get we went to get your We went to get your happy meal. Zilch. Obviously we're looking, but so far zilch. zilch. <laughs> like my god. I was going to say like, "Oh, we went to grab your baby from the nursery." Zilch. Zilch. <laughs> Like, I think, I don't know. It seems like it should be illegal for the word zilch to be used in a criminal investigation. Like, you should be arrested if you use that word while you investigate it. Straight through jail. <laughs> jail. You? Jail. Jail. Still no news in Texas. And this is a quote from Taylor again. Quote, the bad part of it is he must have got her to talk because he found out I have a brother at Fort Worth. I want to think he might have her somewhere in custody with other people, maybe tied up or something, because in order for him to have that information from her, he must have had some communication with her. End quote. So Taylor's really holding on to the idea that Long said he put her on a truck going to Fort Worth. And this quote makes me believe that maybe there was something about, like, sending her to a relative down there because Taylor seems very convinced that, like, that information, Fort Worth, came from Sharon. And, like, that's why she was being sent there, based off of this quote. Mm -hmm. So then... We roll into October. This is October 1st. Taylor hears from a well-respected medicine woman in New York that Sharon is in the company of another girl. He said, quote, she said Sharon is in a 10-story building but doesn't know where. She said she's not a captive and is planning to continue to run. And run here being like Sharon is trying to escape. Okay. And on October 1st, Long is returned from New Mexico to Wyoming and charged with first-degree sexual assaults in Wyoming. Okay. Fucker. Yes. And then the next day, he appears in court where he has six new charges. So three counts of kidnapping, two counts aggravated kidnapping for the purpose of committing sexual assault, one count for the purpose of holding a hostage. So, to count for both Sharon and the 15-year-old girl, but then also account for Sharon being held hostage kind of at this point. Good. Double them up. Triple them up. Triple them up. One count of attempted sexual assault, one count of assault with a deadly weapon, and then one count of delivery of marijuana. And then this is also... On he also did a delivery of marijuana while he was assaulting people and, and holding them hostage. Well, apparently delivery of marijuana. He just had it in his home when police searched it. It's not mine. That's all... That's my brother's. Oh, okay. And this... I, I wasn't going to include this because it was so like... But... So Long worked as a police informant at one time where he was told to buy drugs, like work as like a drug dealer, like... That thing, you know what I'm talking yeah. about? Like an informant? Sure. Yeah. Like undercover? Yeah. Street, whatever. Um, Isn't it crazy that like police forces will be like, this civilian can be an informant? Yes. Here's government money to go buy drugs. That's bananas. Which is what they did. They gave him money to go buy drugs. But they also do it for other stuff, too. Yes. They'll like oh, yeah. send like young people to be like, yeah, just like see how much you can get. We'll wire you. Yeah. Like, what? I'm not a professional, sir. So these additional charges come from the 15-year-old's testimony and corroborating evidence. Long corroborating? 
Yeah, I can't say that word. Oh, it's okay, honey. Wait, say it for me. Corroborating. Corrobor. Oh, that's so sweet. My speech impediment that I had as a kid was ours. No, it also sounds like cooperating. So you're saying... Corroborating. You're, you're saying... You're, like, starting to say cooperating. Because I can't say cooperating. Yeah. So I have to say, like, another word that's close by, but I can't do it. That's okay. You have hot girl brain. You don't need to know how to say it. <laughs> But you say it. Corroborating. Evidence. (laughs) It's fine. Long continues to plead the fifth. So the judge is, like, asking him questions in court because he also has two prior convictions for escaping while in jail. (laughs) So the judge is, like, asking him questions, and he just continues to plead the fifth. Plead the fifth, plead the fifth, plead the fifth. He is not talking. And... His lawyer maintains that Sharon was put on a truck, and Taylor says, quote, his story of putting her on a truck really does seem more likely than anything. I'm positive she's going to be home, end quote. So October 18th, so this is one month since Sharon has been missing. Again, this is her father. Quote, I am willing not to press charges if the whereabouts of my daughter is revealed. I believe Long knows where she is at. He's playing his waiting game. He's being pampered by his rights, end quote. And Taylor really has an issue, and I think a lot of people will, that he can continue to plead the fifth, and then that means investigators can't ask him any more questions about where Sharon is. And the next day, October 19th, Albert Johnson from Glendo, Wyoming, wrote a letter to a newspaper claiming he saw Sharon on September 20th. So this would have been the day after she was abducted. He saw her around 8 p.m. at a Glendo truck stop sitting in a truck, and a man matching Long's description was seen walking into the truck stop. And this is kind of the first clue that we get for Sharon um, of her whereabouts after she goes missing, besides this clue that Long gives of he put her on a truck to go to Fort Worth, Texas. And then October 21st, the search comes to a halt for the winter. It's pretty rugged terrain, and there's a lot of snow already by October 21st, so they really stop searching in the wilderness for Sharon at this point. On November 8th, Long pleads not guilty to all charges. I didn't assault this girl, even though... Even though she escaped from my home. He says not guilty. On November 16th, the police say that they are completely out of leads and that Texas is a dead end. There was no sign that Sharon was ever there. And then we roll into the new year, 1985. On January 3rd, Long's defense attorney requests a change of venue, but this is ultimately denied. But the judge will drop the marijuana charge, so that's no longer... He puff-puffed past it. He puff-puffed past the marijuana charge. (laughs) (laughs) This fuck. I know. And then January 23rd, 1985, Long changes his plea to guilty to avoid the death penalty and is sentenced to two life sentences plus six to eight years, which I love when they give somebody two life sentences and then they're like plus 10 years. I'm like, okay. They're like, here's three big scoops. Here's a couple of jimmies on top. Yeah. Just to make sure. Yeah. It's like, just in case your ghost wants to be back, your ghost <laughs> is still in jail. Sorry. Ghost jail. Ooh. <laughs> so 
Long pleads the fifth while being questioned by the judge again. Ultimately, he pleads guilty to two counts of kidnapping for the purpose of taking indecent liberties with a minor and one count of aggravated assault. And then the police said, quote, we have no leads at all. Obviously, the next step is to wait and see. They really love obviously. 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 The next step is to wait and see. We are checking out any and every lead we can. We all hope she is still alive somewhere. If she is, why hasn't she called? You can speculate a hundred reasons on that. End quote. And I'm like... Do your fucking job. Do your job. <laughs> what do you mean speculate? Obviously, the next step is wait and see. I think there's some other things you could do. Um, and they say that new charges can still be added to him in regards to Sharon if and when they find out things. Okay. So on February 4th, 1985, Long breaks his silence and has an interview with a newspaper. So again, here's a trigger warning. I'm going to talk about sexual assault here. So this is what Long claims happen. This is his side of the story, and this is going to piss you off. I'm just warning you now. So he claims that he picks the girls up, and they said they were 18 and 19, and, quote, they looked the part, end quote. No, you can tell when someone is 12. Yeah. You can tell when someone is 12. And also you're 49, so 18 and 19 is still a little young. A little young. The girls accepted his offer for a ride to his home to eat, bathe, and wash their clothes. He then claims he offered the older girl $25 for sex, and she agreed. After, she demanded $200 and threatened him since she was underage. And he thought the accusations would hurt his go-kart business. Quote, Oh, that's so sad. I know, his go-kart business. I'm like, <laughs> get oh, Owning a go-kart business would be dope. Like, we should open one. Come to A&E's go-karts. Yeah, go-karts. Drive great. to thrive. This guy, get fucked. Get fucked. Um, he says... Quote, I talked with them. I tried to reason with them. I told them, this is not how you do business. I should have given them the money, unquote. So he was, ugh, I hate him. Then, long, quote, scuffled, he calls it a scuffle, with them, and ties the girls up, but claims no one was seriously hurt. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Just, like, casually tying up two teenagers in your home, but nobody was seriously hurt. Like, he's really trying to, like, downplay it as much as he can. He's like, we got in a scuffle, and then I tied them up. No big deal. Nobody was hurt. He then says he took a nap, and when he woke up, he found the 15-year-old had escaped. He took a nap in the middle of his hostage situation. Yeah, I'm like... He's like, like, I am a man of rest. I'm tired from my thievery of people. Yeah, he's like... (laughs) I'm just like, so you have two people tied up in your house, and you're like, I'm going to go take a nap. What? What the? (laughs) No, you didn't. You're a liar. No, you don't. So after he realizes that the 15-year-old girl is gone, he says, quote, I carried the other one to my truck. I stopped once for gas and drove to Cheyenne over the back roads. She was a hot potato. I just wanted her out of my hands, end quote. He finds a trucker. Headed for Dallas, he says it's Dallas, not Fort Worth. So this is the first time that that detail has changed. And he hands Sharon off. 
Long then drives to Denver to think for a couple of days. And when he drives back to Wyoming, he learns about the manhunt against him. So once he finds out about the manhunt, he heads to Amarillo, Texas to look for Sharon at truck stops. Quote, my thinking was that I needed to remain free until she showed up and the whole thing calmed down, end quote. So that is what he says happened. So that's the end of the trigger warning for our listeners out there. On May 30th, the district attorney, Scott Evans, believes that Sharon is dead and is looking to file murder charges without a body. This guy, Royal Russell Long, he sucks. And just to give a little tangent about this guy. So after he's arrested, he becomes the lead suspect in another investigation in Oklahoma into the disappearance of two 13-year-olds from the Oklahoma State Fair in 1981. Their names are Charlotte Kinsey and Cinda Pallett. And charges are ultimately brought against him in this case in Oklahoma. These girls, they go missing at the State Fair. Uh, I just read briefly about their story. They called their parents and said that a man offered them a job to unload stuffed animals from a semi-truck. So he drives the two girls and two boys to a truck stop, kicks the boys out, and then drives off with the two girls. And charges are brought against him, but ultimately they're dropped for not enough evidence. But he is the main suspect in this case, and it's believed that he had started attacking people 30 years prior in 1955, and he's also suspected for the disappearance of Deborah Meyer and Carlene Brown. So this guy sucks. (laughs) So on the heels of, like, this Oklahoma case, and I think if he had been indicted on those charges, they would have gone forward with the murder charges of Sharon, but since ultimately the charges in Oklahoma was dropped, they never bring the murder charges against him for Sharon in Wyoming. In June of 1985, the search resumes in rugged terrain along the county lines, and the search lasts for about one week, and this is based off of all of the leads that they've had, um, but ultimately nothing turns up, no clues are found. On June 12th, the police say, quote, every bit of evidence we've obtained at this point indicates she's dead, end quote. But her father, Taylor, believes that she is alive, and in 2020, he believes that she is alive. November 3rd, 1993, Long dies of a heart attack behind bars in prison. Farewell, good riddance. And then there's really no leads for Sharon after this because the person who most likely knows has died. June of 2019 and into 2020, a skull is found near a power plant, and a podcast actually begins to say that this is possibly Sharon. And I believe they say that somebody within the police department tells them this or confirms that there's a good likelihood that it's Sharon. But the police are like, this person is a volunteer and they would know nothing about that. I don't know why. But so the media picks up the story that this is possibly Sharon. Um, But it is a prehistoric skeleton that had just been very well preserved. So not Sharon. In the media, Taylor says that you know, the skull couldn't be Sharon because she's still alive somewhere. And he believes that and really advocates for her return. But 
that this whole experience was painful, like having her name be brought up in the media and people saying that they were so sorry, like giving him condolences and assuming that he would be mourning once these remains were found. And he said like, that was really painful, like that misplaced mm-hmm. mourning and like people just stopping him and like that constant reminder of what he is missing. But that's ultimately it for Sharon Bald Eagle. That's all we know. Like I said, Long died behind bars. So he really knew what happened to her. And I don't, I don't know if she was put on a truck somewhere else or if he killed her before that. If she was, she would have, this girl was very, very smart. I mm-hmm. think, I think she would have like been able to contact her family. I, yeah, I, I would agree with you. I think that Royal Russell Long ultimately caused her death. I really just want Taylor Bald Eagle to have closure in this. Like, he deserves it so much. If you know anything about Sharon's disappearance or her whereabouts today, again, she'd be 50 years old. Please call the Fall River County Police, and their number is 605 745 4444. And the sources for today's podcast come from the West River Eagle, the Charlie Project, Oil City News, Rapid City Journal, the Bismarck Tribune, the Jackson Hole Guide, Argus Leader, the Billing Gazette, the Daily Oklahoman, Casper Star Tribune, and the Lincoln Journal Star. That's the story of Sharon Bald Eagle. Is uh, her case like actively spoken about currently? Well, the last updates really were 2020, 2021, when those remains were found. And there have been bulk stories over the years because there's a lot of missing indigenous women, specifically in Wyoming. Mm -hmm. Um, There's a lot of missing indigenous women. There's that whole highway that's called um, the Highway of Tears, right? It runs a a big span of where Mm -hmm. there's a lot of um, indigenous land uh, uh, where, like, it's like hundreds of women. Mm-hmm. Do you know what I'm talking about? I do, yes. Oh, okay. Yeah. But yeah, um, so Sharon's story is brought up kind of with those reports of like trying to bring light to this big problem. But otherwise, there's really been no leads and um, nothing on her case, truly. Damn. And it's so frustrating that they like caught the guy. The guy died in jail. Mm-hmm. But it's like, where's Sharon? Like how it's like that he escaped justice in that, you know, like he escaped responsibility in a lot of ways. Yeah, for sure. Even though, you know, based off of my research and, you know, he's suspected in these four other disappearances, like guys dirtbag, like I'm glad he was off the streets and that they did ultimately put him in jail for the rest of his life when they did. But where's Sharon? And like, he never had to answer for that. But that's it. If you are enjoying our podcast, um, we'd love it if you followed us on Instagram at Cold and Missing, where we promise we're going to get better about our TikTok <laughs> and posting stories on there. Uh, we also upload all of our episodes onto YouTube, so maybe that's where you like to listen. You can subscribe there as well. On our Instagram page, you can email us 
coldandmissing at gmail.com if you have thoughts about the case, about any of the cases we've covered, or if there's one that's close to your heart that you want us to cover, please email us and we'll chat. If you are enjoying the content and would maybe like to tip us uh, in order to support the podcast and um, all that money will be used to go right back into production and making this even better for you guys or for you all. So uh, you can do that again at our Instagram. If you click the link in our bio, you'll see the buy us a coffee page. (laughs) It's great. It's great. We really appreciate it. We appreciate that you're listening and that... Yeah, I'm so blown away by these numbers. I know. (laughs) Every day we wake up and we're like, what? Yeah. And to meet people who are like, oh, my friend's been listening. They have so many questions. Like, to meet people who we who we don't know. Yeah, and to talk about these cases. Like, that's really cool. And it's really cool that these cases are getting talked about because I think they're all important. Yeah, of course. Yeah. Thanks for listening. Thanks for being here. And... Have a good week and stay safe, y'all. Have a great week, y'all.